Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 8 The Amateur Fireman Part 1 That's a likely little brute you've got on, miss, said Perks the Porter. I don't know as ever I see a thing more like a buttercup without it was a buttercup. Yes, said Bobby, glad and flushed by his approval. I always thought it was more like a buttercup almost than even a real one, and I never thought it would come to be mine, my very own, and then Mother gave it to me for my birthday. All of you had a birthday, said Perks, and he seemed quite surprised, as though a birthday were a thing only granted to a favored few. Yes, said Bobby. When's your birthday, Mr. Perks? The children were taking tea with Mr. Perks in the porter's room, among the lamps and the railway almanacs. They had brought their own cups and some jam turnovers. Mr. Perks made tea in a beer can, as usual, and everyone felt very happy and confidential. My birthday, said Perks, tipping some more dark brown tea out of the can into Peter's cup. I give up keeping of my birthday before you was born. But you must have been born sometime, you know, said Phyllis thoughtfully, even if it was twenty years ago, or thirty, or sixty, or seventy. Not so long ago as that, Missy, Perks grinned as he answered. If you really want to know, it was thirty-two years ago, come the fifteenth of this month. Then why don't you keep it? asked Phyllis. I've got something else to keep besides birthdays, said Perks briefly. Oh, what? asked Phyllis eagerly. Not secrets. Nah, said Perks. The kids and the missus. It was this talk that set the children thinking, and presently talking. Perks was, on the whole, the dearest friend they had made. Not so grand as the stationmaster, but more approachable, less powerful than the old gentleman, but more confidential. It seems horrid that nobody keeps his birthday, said Bobby. Couldn't we do something? Let's go to the canal bridge and talk it over, said Peter. I've got a new gut line from the postman this morning. He gave it to me for a bunch of roses that I gave him for his sweetheart. She's ill. Then I do think you might have given her the roses for nothing, said Bobby indignantly. Yeah, yeah, said Peter, disagreeably, and put his hands in his pockets. He did, of course, said Phyllis in haste. Directly we heard she was ill, we got the roses ready and waited by the gate. It was when you were making the burger toast. And, and when he'd said thank you for the roses so many times, much more than he need have, he pulled out the line and gave it to Peter. It wasn't exchange. It was the grateful heart. Oh, I beg your pardon, Peter, said Bobby. I am so sorry. Don't mention it, said Peter grandly. I knew you would be. So then they all went up to the canal bridge. The idea was to fish from the bridge, but the line was not quite long enough. Never mind, said Bobby. Let's just stay here and look at things. Everything's so beautiful. It was. The sun was setting in red splendor over the gray and purple hills, and the canal lay smooth and shiny in the shadow. No ripple broke its surface. It was like a gray satin ribbon between the dusky green silk of the meadows that were on each side of its banks. It's all right, said Peter, but somehow I can always see how pretty things are much better when I've something to do. Let's get down on the towpath and fish from there. Phyllis and Bobby remembered how the boys on the canal boats had thrown coal at them, and they said so. Oh, nonsense, said Peter. There aren't any boys here now. If there were, I'd fight them. 
Peter's sisters were kind enough not to remind him how he had not fought the boys when Cole had last been thrown. Instead, they said, All right, then, and cautiously climbed down the steep bank to the towing path. The line was carefully baited, and for half an hour they fished patiently and in vain. Not a single nibble came to nourish hopes in their hearts. All eyes were intent on the sluggish waters that earnestly pretended they had never harbored a single minnow when a loud, rough shout made them start. Hey! said the shout in most disagreeable tones. Gah, that, can't you? An old white horse coming along the towing path was within half a dozen yards of them. They sprang to their feet and hastily climbed up the bank. We'll slip down again when they've gone by, said Bobby. But alas, the barge, after the manner of barges, stopped under the bridge. She's going to anchor, said Peter. Just our luck. The barge did not anchor, because an anchor is not part of a canal boat's furniture. But she was moored with ropes fore and aft, and the ropes were made fast to the palings and to crowbars driven into the ground. What you staring at? growled the bargee crossly. We weren't staring, said Bobby. We wouldn't be so rude. Rude be blessed, said the man. Get along with you. Get along with yourself, said Peter. He remembered what he had said about fighting boys, and besides, he felt safe halfway up the bank. We've as much right to be here as anyone else. I'll have you indeed, said the man. We'll soon see about that. And he came across his deck and began to climb down the side of his barge. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.